Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. Today, Adam Roberts is in the house. Adam, how are we doing today? Hello, everybody. I am among the living. Glad to be upright I know. And you rolling. couldn't be with us last week, but glad to have you back and... Going to dive into our text for the week here in just a second, but uh, got to put our plug in. If you'd like to hear other podcasts, go to lewisandbroad.org. Season four of our flagship production, the Lewis and Broad podcast, starts in just a couple of weeks. Layton. Layton, <laughs> Layton are you ready? Layton, are you ready to tell us? Are you ready? Tell all of our listeners what you have been planning, what you've been working upon. Where are we going for the Lewis and Broad podcast? Tomorrow. That's oh. when it drops. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's a big teaser. So Seriously. Now, when you say tomorrow, when people hear this, our current tomorrow will be there. It could be there yesterday. Or it could be there yesterday. Time is a construct. It's also a circle. Yeah. So, so Leighton... Maybe we should rephrase. When will you be announcing this? On what precise date? In the past. Would that be Wednesday, September the 21st, the first day of fall? Yes. Okay. That would be good. Do you remember what happened? On the first day of fall? No. No. What are you talking about? November 21st, September. Oh, man. There she is, dropping an earth, wind, and fire reference that went way over my head. Thank you for singing. And everybody is turning (laughs) off their podcast. No, they're not. They're going to Spotify and they're looking it up. Now. What's that song called? It's it's called September, isn't it? It's called September. Yeah. It is. All right. Well, I thought y'all were going to get an announcement about what season four was going to be about. It was better than that. Maybe check out our social media if you're getting this podcast after September the 21st. At Lewis and Broad, Instagram, Facebook, and on our website, lewisandbroad.org. It will be there. Adam, did you realize that there are actually small groups? Small groups. Small groups. Now, here at First Uh, Press, we call them first groups, uh, but like small groups. Okay. That are listening to this podcast. Mm. Well, as 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 part of their curriculum, I hope we are uplifting and upbuilding. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not 100 sure we are. Have they said who is this um, inspirational s- sidekick of our pastor? Oddly enough, they have not said anything. Sometimes about I'm that. perspirational more than inspirational, especially when it's this humid. Fair enough. Thank you for bringing us into your personal life in that way. I'm a big guy. But, yes, there are classes. 
That's small good. Small groups that are listening Whoa. to this. Thank, so thank you, small groups. I feel like we need to do them justice. I want to do justice. And dive right I, I in. I will say I'm always trying to do it justice. I do like to be a little bit slap happy sometimes on here and do the yik yakity comedy routine. There but you go. I'm well, so on to the psalm. I'm so grateful for you. Yeah, we're moving away from First Timothy. We've spent the last couple of weeks on First Timothy. And we so enjoyed it. We we did. We, did. Was, we really actually did. It was it was interesting. A a lesson in context. A lesson in biblical interpretation. True. For all of us and how to interpret a text that was written thousands of years ago in our time. So anyways, very, very interesting exercise in that. But we're gonna go back to the Psalms, which was written way before First Timothy. We're going to be focusing on Psalm number 65, to be exact. But before we do that, I want to offer just a little bit of context for why we're going this route, why we zoomed back to the Psalms. It is generosity season. At least it's generosity, or some people may know it as stewardship season here at First Presley Grange. Now, if you're stirring rendition of earth, wind, and fire didn't have people turning off their podcast. As soon as I say stewardship, people are probably mm. going to put me on mute. Please it is a tough, tough word, isn't it? hang with us. It, you know, it needs a rebrand. The joy of giving. <laughs> <laughs> my hand goes immediately to my wallet. And say, get away. I'm it sure. Exactly. And, and I, I think for many churches and nonprofits, especially if they're their operating budget year, their fiscal year lines up with the calendar year, typically you'll see some sort of fundraising slash generosity slash stewardship endeavor taking place in the fall. Big uh, big giving Tuesday is out there. B- yep, that's up. true. Giving Tuesday and it's just that time of year. And churches like ours need to get an idea of what people might be giving in the coming year so we can make our plans for our budgets. All truth and joking about stewardship and hand on wallet. (laughs) Uh, Many, many years, you know, I spent about 18 years as a uh, church pastor before moving to work as chaplain at the college here in LaGrange. And so, um, I've stood in front of groups many, many times and talked about giving, many sermons about giving. I remember well being about 25 years old, fresh out of seminary, when I had been assigned to a a huge attendance church over in the Augusta area, and the senior pastor and I sat down as we got to this time of year, and he said, how do you feel about preaching about giving? (laughs) And I said, I hate it. I don't know. I've never done it. I'm very uncomfortable. And he said, well, you're about to get comfortable. Because you're nice. about to do it. And what I learned was there is no shame whatsoever in talking about giving. It is important. It's important for the church as institution, organization, and ministry, most of all. Uh, and it's an important spiritual discipline. Truly, truly, I do believe that. Yes, I agree with you. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, why we do it. But I also have to admit, or maybe the word is confess, just recently I went through a bunch of those spam emails that we are all prone to receiving, especially in an election year. 
And I went through Operation Unsubscribe. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hit the old unsubscribe button to a lot of people and organizations who are asking for financial support. The thing about it is, is that generosity and stewardship, at least in my opinion, are all too often conflated with this notion of gimme, gimme, gimme. We need your money. If we do not get it, then the ministry will not happen. And if the ministry doesn't happen, the magic doesn't happen. Right. Creation of a crisis to to motivate. And it's not to say that that's not important. It is. It's the way the world works. We need money to, to pay the bills, to compensate staff, to do the work and mission of the church. I just think, though, that if we over associate generosity just with gimme, gimme, gimme. We're missing something. It It's more than that. And I think we church folk have to walk a line, a very fine line between overemphasizing doomsday narratives that say, if we don't get any money, then ministry won't happen. And then on the flip side, underemphasizing the importance of people giving not just their time and their talents, but also their treasures. And so to me, generosity season, it is about money, but it also isn't about money. To me, ultimately, it's about response. It's about responding to what we have been given. It's responding to the beauty of the earth that we've been given, to the breath in our lungs, to the gift of life. And it's really a recognition that everything we have, or at least everything we think we have, really isn't ours in the first place. Really everything, if you think about it, that we have is on loan. Because last I checked, the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord. And it is not going with us. It is certainly ours to uh, steward, manage for a time. That's right. And so really, to me, everything we we should do when it comes to generosity should outflow from that, what we give or where we give. And look, you and I both know that, I mean, you work for a an institution of higher ed, higher learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nonprofit. Nonprofit. Uh, so private. people don't always give to the church anymore. They give That's right. I'm, I'm, elsewhere. I'm all for people giving to LaGrange College. Would you, I, I'll uh, put the link in the, just kidding. There you go, in the show notes. <laughs> Aunt Rhonda, we'll put them in the. <laughs> People are going to be like, who is Aunt Rhonda? They've never listened to this show. That's yeah, you got to, hey, go back about three weeks, everybody. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Anyways. Layton looks like my Aunt Rhonda. Not currently Aunt Rhonda. Okay, it's a long story. But everything we do, everything we give, everything, where we give, what we give, should flow from this idea, this reality that our lives really are kind of a mortgage from the Lord. And the question is, how are we going to make our our payment? And I, I put air quotes around payment, payment. How will we live our lives in honor and in homage to the one who has given to us this life to us in the first place? Yeah. So, you know, just want to give a little context. So the other thing I want to do before we get into the psalm is we have to get away from this this worldview, this ideology of scarcity. Like, what we have isn't enough. 
And look, I pray, I fall prey to this all of the time. I catch myself saying things like, oh, bigger is better, or the grass is greener on the other side. And that's, that's scarcity mindset. That is, that is living with this, this idea that what we have isn't enough. Or if we don't get this much raised, the whole, everything is just not going to come together. And in my opinion, a scarcity mindset only breeds more scarcity. That way of looking at the world will never yield satisfactory returns. We'll always want more. And I want to be clear because, you know, you, our spouses work with an organization that, that's on the front lines of fighting generational poverty. For people of poverty, many of them who are people of color, scarcity is a reality. I'm not really talking about about that. I mean, we have to fight to overcome situations and institutions that institutionalize and enshrine poverty. Mm -hmm. And sure. Jesus surely didn't settle for that. We can't settle for that. But I'm I'm more talking about. And, and this is where I think Jesus focused his attention and his ire. I'm thinking more of a world and a culture where scarcity mindset is endemic, where everyone and everybody fights as if there's only very little left at the table. And really, there's more than enough for everyone. There is more than enough. That is abundance mindset. And that's where we got to go, not scarcity. <laughs> it's... um common sense, I guess, in some ways to look out for number one, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're just going to say, what should I do in terms of just what makes obvious sense? Well, I better take care of myself and my family and do what it takes to get what we got to have and all those kind of things. But the truth is that can very often come back to um, create this cycle of, of lack in a sense so that even if you do manage to fight and scrape and secure what you believe you needed, yes, you'll feel as though it probably still wasn't enough, rather than living with open hands, release, and a, a sense of grace. Now, I don't say that lightly because, as you said, we do know the realities of poverty, especially in our community. There's a high poverty rate right here locally. Um, that said, you know, one of the first things that Circles teaches is – Circles is the organization. Yes, I'm sorry. Circles of Truth, for. yes. Is that if you're in poverty, the the mindset of lack, which is real, uh, can continue to keep you there because it's so easy to think only in the short term, only in terms of emergency, et cetera, et cetera. So, so even there, whether we are uh, incredibly wealthy or in poverty, uh, being overly focused on our need to control is not good from a spiritual point of view. And, and, you know, I work with some of the poorest people in sense of their disposable income availability, meaning college students. Now they're not necessarily all from poor family. Some of them are for sure at LaGrange college. A uh, big misconception about LaGrange college is that everybody that goes there must be from a, a well-off family. Not true at all. Um, good 40% of our students are fully pill eligible, meaning they are not at all affluent. But so uh, I tell college students they need to give and, and it might be a dollar, you know, 
Um, because a college student turning loose of a $5 bill, that can be a significant spiritual practice. So it is not about the amount. Um, it, it is about living in a way that says I don't have to clutch and claw at every penny um, because I trust, which allows, that's a great which allows giving. That's a great point. And so really that's an abundance mentality. Yeah. And that is more accurate in my mind. It is a more accurate reflection of the God we worship. We worship a God of abundance, not scarcity. A God who gives and gives and gives. Fish and loaves, right? That's so, right. That's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful text there. And and a God who works through us. A God who doesn't look at us, and in my opinion, doesn't look at us and say, gosh, I wish they were better. Right. But rather, I can work with that. And And that's... Let's pivot to the psalm, because that's what I see in this week's psalm, a, a God of abundance, a God who is more than enough, a God who satisfies, who delivers, who saves. The, the language, and you and I were talking in pre-production, of abundance here, it, it's really, really something. Yeah, it's a beautiful psalm, and uh, creation is truly so abundant as is listed out in this psalm over and over again. Um, you know, if I grow a tomato plant from seed and get a tomato from it, I'm kind of like the meme, right, of uh, it ain't much, but it's honest work. That's kind of how I stand out in my overalls, you know, with my one tomato in front of my house. <laughs> but it is amazing to see. And I I do, I do did grow up in the country. I, I'd love to say I'm a country person. Holly quickly calls me to account on that. Um, that my country credentials are not as good as I would like to believe. But that said, I love gardening. I love the soil. I love the earth. Turn up a patch of dirt in your yard and watch what grows <laughs> over the next few weeks. It's going to be a collection of weeds, but they're kind of awesome. And they're definitely abundant. That's true. And <laughs> there's just so much here, creation as as you as you mentioned, I love that the God of the psalm has control over the waters. Now, waters were often interpreted, they were conflated with chaos. And out of this chaos, God creates. Out of chaos, God brings abundance. Out of chaos, God procures hope. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Somehow in the midst of this chaos, God God is still God. God is still enough. God is with us in the chaos. And I just think that's that's such a good word to hear. Bring in remarkable order uh, through the chaos and remarkable abundance. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'd say that, I have to say, I say that bearing in mind the water language, bearing in mind that as we record this podcast right now, there is a hurricane wreaking havoc upon the islands, upon the impoverished peoples of the islands. And... It would be easy to push back and say, well, God, what, what about this? What about this? When, water, when the waters are chaotic in and of themselves and bring death and 
destruction. And that is absolutely a fair point and a fair place to push back. And, and I think sometimes when we preachers and we people of faith, we try to give answers when there are none. All we can, all I can say is in this Psalm, I see a God who's with God's people in the chaos. Right. We control so little. Somebody asked me a question yesterday that I was stunned at how good the question was. Uh, it was from a staff member at the college and we, uh, we were talking about, we'd been in a session about core values, this kind of thing. And I had named one of my core values being joy, you know, joyfulness. And the staff member said to me, how do you remain joyful when you work with so many people in difficulty or sadness? And I, I rarely even think of that that way. Um, and I thought, well, and said, what a fantastic question. I think on my best days, I've given up illusion of control a long time ago because of the practice of ministry I've been engaged in for a long time. I've seen people's lives move in all sorts of unpredictable ways, and we just don't have control of nearly as much as we like to think we do. And so uh, that unlocks joy. It sounds odd or perhaps counterintuitive, but acceptance of that unlocks joy. Acceptance of that unlocks generosity because we don't control the good things either. They, the good things are just coming down upon us. Um, uh, look at this psalm. There's water and food and nourishment and sustenance raining down upon us in this psalm. That's um, right. And we don't really create that. So the God, really. the God of the psalm is enough. The God of the psalm creates abundance. The God of uh, the psalm is with us in the chaos the God of the psalm, this isn't a scarcity psalm. And I would, I would be willing to, to say the God of Scripture isn't a, a scarcity God. And so generosity done well, it doesn't adopt a scarcity mindset saying, gosh, I wish you'd given more. It's kind of like what you were talking about with your college students. I wish you'd give more. Generosity done well, in my opinion, goes the abundance route and says, thank you for giving what you have. It is, it's sure. enough. It is enough. Whatever you deem a faithful response to God's generosity to you, that, friends, in my opinion, is enough. And, and start there and see where, see where it takes you. Yeah. You know, I have seen people in absolute poverty share what they have. Uh, and I have seen incredibly wealthy philanthropists give, uh, I guess, the biggest single donation I've ever been part of, $2.5 million, something like that. And... Both amazing. Both amazing. Just uh, something to behold. So this will be a theme for us over the coming weeks, uh, this idea of, of enough, of abundance. Obviously, with this psalm, there are other scriptures we'll be focusing on over the course of the next five, six weeks. Uh, widows might being one of them. Uh, that'll be in a couple weeks. Just some famous kind of abundance mentality sorts of scriptures and maybe some that aren't so obvious and we look forward to journeying through that with y'all but that wraps up this episode of catechesis adam it is good to have you back good to be back give somebody something this week (laughs) exactly there's your charge not germs or anything but you know seriously they're everywhere positive something positive that's right thanks i mean not positive in the sense of a test you're special We love you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode's 
this week's episode, rather, of Catechesis, and be on the lookout for information about Season 4 of Lewis and Broad. It will either be dropping, depending upon when you listen to this, in the future, the present, or the past. (laughs) Time is a constraint. Take care, everybody. Talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week.